Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's up, sisters and queens? This is my friends and I with my guest, Grayson Link, for I am the one that owns this podcast and legally get all the revenue. Yas, thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's an honor for you. Truly. So what are we doing here? (laughs) Well, you're going to interview me because I'm the most interesting person in the world. I can't wait. Uh Let's do this. All right. All righty. Hi, everyone. I realized in the last episode, I did not introduce my guest. Uh, This is my beautiful, wonderful, perfect, all-around incredible girlfriend, Lauren. Say hi, Lauren. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Glad glad you're excited. (laughs) So, uh, first question we Mm -hmm. have on here. It says, how are you so cute? I mean, I guess you have to give that up to my parents, because they created me, so, yeah, just thank them. Truly humble, ladies and gents. Just stellar. You know, how are you so cute? I'm gonna throw it back at you. Whoa! I know. Now, <laughs> thanks to the collaboration of Kyle and Tammy Leake, uh... Ah, yeah. That so came to pass. Yeah, so Keaton was the original, and you were, like, the remix. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I'm I'm that cool Nightcore remix that everyone thinks is just a little bit better. Wow, I dated myself. Oh my gosh! Okay, sorry, Keaton, wow. you just got roasted. Hey, so next question. <laughs> I was very surprised to find out that you actually have royalty in your family. Yes, we do. Lo and behold, I go to your house, hanging out with your family and such, and I come to find that your sister is a queen. She is. She's the perfect queen. Please I always... tell me about your sister, because she's just the best. Um, She's an absolute being. I've never met anyone who doesn't like her. Um, we always say that, like, I always call her perfect, and my brother, Robert, is always like, she's not perfect, God's perfect. I'm like, okay, it's Jesus, Mary, and Bethany. That's the order. That's the tier list. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. This is, and then this it's is the, the my friends and I 2019 meme tier list. It goes... Jesus in S rank, Mary in S rank, Bethany in S rank. They're all in S rank. <laughs> the the only other category is peasants, which is us. <laughs> which is everyone besides yeah. those three. Yes, correct. <laughs> so I was five when Bethany was born, and I was praying so hard that it would be a little girl, because I wanted a little sister so badly. I used to, like, dream about how we would go shopping together, and I would teach her about life and get her through, like, friend drama, boy drama, you know, school and all that stuff, and she was born, and she was very 
sick immediately, which wasn't, I, I wasn't made aware of until a little later on. And we found out she has a genetic disorder called Rubenstein-Tabey syndrome, RTS for short. And um, my idea of a little sister was changed after that because I was explained that she's not going to be developmentally you know, corresponding to her age, and uh, she's not going to be able to understand things, she might be nonverbal and all this stuff, so that was really different for me, but I would have it no other way. She's not only taught me so much, but she has shown me, like, how how much you can love people. She loves everybody, and yeah, I just, she's the best thing that's in my life probably she is just precious uh-huh um she's bossy too though she she that's, she, that's why we call her a queen oh yeah she's the ruler we we joke about us just we're her humble servants we're living in bethany's world <laughs> um like i i think she realized she doesn't communicate verbally. She uses some sign language, but it's a little hard for her still. So she realized quickly that kind of pushing you and like moving your hand and stuff was the best way to like show you what she wanted. And that if you didn't give her what she wanted, she, she gives you like these sad eyes and you can't resist it. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. But I remember one time I came over for dinner and we were all sitting around the table and without skipping a beat, she just kind of reached over without even me even looking, grabbed my hand and just started pulling me to a certain chair and just kind of let go and was just kind of like, you're there. And I was like, okay. Uh, she didn't even, she didn't, she didn't say it with words. Obviously she didn't say it with like pointing. She just pulled me to a chair and I, I knew it was like, Okay, I'm required to sit here. Oh, oh yeah. We all have our assigned seats in this house. When it's time for me to go upstairs in her mind, she starts pushing me towards the stairs or she pushes me out the door when it's time for me to leave for school or whatever. Because she knows what's best, clearly. She she is galaxy brain. She she is. She's she's peak brain for sure. <laughs> One of my favorite stories, and I always bring this up, but one of my favorite stories that you've told me about her is you went to, like, go put a hand on her shoulder or something or just, like, touch her affectionately, and you, you're reaching over to touch her, and she just s backhand smacked your hand away and just looked at you with a completely blank, neutral face, and you, like, tried to do it again, and she just pushed your hand away, like, super quickly, and you were just like, uh... Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not the most affectionate for sure, except she's like a cat in a way. She's affectionate with you when she wants to be and when she doesn't get away cuz she doesn't want to be. <laughs> she does not want to talk to you. No. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. 
So you're you're 19. That means Bethany's 13 right now. Yeah. What a yeah. queen. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I just, I mean, because of her disorder, she she kind of you know does things that you know she's 13, so she's moody a lot now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she likes her boys. She does. Oh my gosh. She, she has. She, just, she has a boyfriend, doesn't she? She did. Well, she Not has really. a boyfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Unbeknownst <laughs> to him, they are dating. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's this little boy in her class, and he's so sweet. Um, and she's just go goo goo crazy over him. Um. She has this boy as her screensaver on her iPad, and whenever she wants us to talk about him, she'll move her our hand to like point to the picture, and we'll say his name, and she like lights up. She's she's a goofball. How precious! Yeah. Oh, I, love her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> ten thousand out of ten. Absolutely, she's she's the most perfect person. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. We'll see you soon. So, Lauren, you are really, really, really into one particular band it is a band that most people know about but they only know about it from about five years ago yeah yeah that's right um why are you obsessed with the band bastille which (laughs) for the people who don't remember they made the song pompeii the one that starts with that was just a mess so bastille is they have not made a song i dislike which is really rare for me not saying that like anyone who's made a song that i don't particularly jive to is bad or whatever it's just i've you know, never encountered something where I'm like a hundred percent. This is all so good. Um, so I got into Bastille because of the Mr. Uh, Sh- Mr. Peabody and Sherman, or Sherman and Mr. Peabody commercial. It's Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah. You are telling me <sighs> you <sighs> the. F- I this is this is brand new information, ladies and gents. I I deeply care about this girl, and I have been dating her for over seven months. You found out about your favorite band from Mr. Peabody and Sherman. They played Pompeii, which was I their know they show. played Pompeii. I've seen the ad. That's what I thought of when I was thinking of Pompeii like yeah. ten seconds ago. So but point that's proven. How you found it. So point proven. That's how you you remember that because it was iconic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's how I found them. Um, I I 
have always been into um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Um, I th- it used to be like an <laughs> old cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was. It it was about the this dog who adopted a boy, and like the movie, they went back in time and like found out things and like set history on the path and it. It was really funny. It was part of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show, if anyone knows what that is about. Interesting. Yeah, it's and the Rocky and Bullwinkle show is about a moose and a squirrel who try to stop the Russians from taking over. <laughs> yep, that was American history right there. Yep. I I knew that Mr. Peabody and Sherman came from something. I couldn't remember if it was a comic or a show. Yeah. That's interesting so. that it was part of Rocky and Bullwinkle, though. That's, oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of cool. It was one uh, of the shorts. Why are you obsessed with Mr. Peabody music? <laughs> um, well, first of all, I love to write. Um. It's debatable how good I am at it, but I've loved doing it since I was little. She's really good. Shh. He's read like two things by me, so it doesn't. They were really good. Um, <laughs> point is, I, I really love to write, so my favorite aspect for me in music is when you've got really good, solid lyrics, and Bastille constantly has good, solid lyrics. Um, they have great turns of phrase, puns. They have so many illusions. Their first album, All This Bad Blood, which is what Pompeii came out of, was all about like uh, Roman and um, Greek myths and stuff like that. So that, and I, which I am very much into. <laughs> um, so that's part of what drew me in. They have an amazing sound, too. Um, the vocalist, uh, Dan Smith, is incredible. His his voice is amazing, and I'm so excited. I'm actually going to get have the opportunity to see them in concert uh, this fall, so I am very much looking forward to that. But the reason I am so into them is because they tell a story in their music. And their latest album called Doom Days was their first kind of, um, it was their first conceptual album. So they tell the story about an apocalyptic house party, is how they put it. And the idea is that the world is going crap or shit. Can I say Uh, I'm gonna blur that out. Okay. Well, the idea is the world is falling apart and it's, you know, the doomsday clock is ticking down and Dan and his buds are just partying the night away trying to forget about it. The funny thing listening to it um, my brother, Robert, is also a big fan of the band, so we kind of analyzed it together when the album came out. It's not really about it, because 
Dan in the album is an unreliable narrator. I would argue, and I think my brother would too, the apocalypse is his relationship with this unnamed girl at the party. Um, and as they go through the songs, it seems that because he feels his relationship is falling apart, he's viewing the world even more, ne he's seeing only the negative sides of the world. And so he's viewing both his relationship and the world as going through an apocalypse. And there's one line where he goes, is it an apocalypse or nihilism on your lips? And for those of you who don't know, nihilism is just viewing things as much worse than they are is the common idea of it. And as you go through the album, you find the answer to that question. It's nihilism. Because you find out that their relationship isn't falling apart. He was just taking a bad fight or just something that wasn't going perfect as the end when it really wasn't. And I find it so interesting as you go through this album, it's all about the apocalypse of the world and the apocalypse of this relationship is oncoming. And then you get to the end and you find out he was just worried because that's what happens when you're at a crazy party. You try to forget things, but at other points you're building stuff up in your head as the night goes on and you're thinking too much. Um, and you build it up to something way worse than it is. But at the end of the album, the last track is called Joy and it's about him waking up and seeing that this girl has called him and he's talking about all the joy and that everything is alright and this party got a little out of control for him but in the end it's all okay. So that's why I love Bastille because they, they tell a story so interestingly and it has so many twists and turns that I didn't even fully get into that um, really pull you in to the world they've created. And on top of that, like I said, they have a great vocalist and they have a great sound. So, yeah, they're by far my favorite musical artist out there. Fantastic. Uh, I, I, I obviously agree. I've, cause, because I know you. I've listened to a good couple of their songs, even in Doom Days, and that they are even even if you take them out of the story, they're mm -hmm. still good songs. Oh, for sure, I would listen to any of those songs as singles because they can. That's the great thing; they don't rely on each other too much to the point where you can't understand it without context. It's just an added nuance of understanding with the context, but they stand alone great as well. That's always just fantastic when that manages to happen. Yeah. And it's a hard balance to strike, I would imagine, but they, they nail it every time they're the album previous to this one was, um, kind of about, um, 
events in life that are kind of hard. It, it's it, that one's a bit harder to explain, but uh, they they just do everything they take on so well. So what you're saying from the the moral of doomsday doom days is that uh, you should just go to sleep because <laughs> you're tired and everything seems bad. But if you go and get some sleep, you'll wake up and you'll realize everything's fine. Yeah. Well, I think it's... The world's not ending. Yeah. You're just extra. Yeah. <laughs> that is the the essential, like, bare bones breakdown. Um, we build things up in your head. Go to sleep. As one of my favorite shows, How I Met Your Mother, says... Nothing good happens after 3 a.m. Go to bed. So, Amen. Amen. Yep. That's a good word, as we like to call it, <laughs> in the business. The business? Yes, the business, <laughs> oh, Lauren. Oh, boy. The mysterious business. Okay. The business knows all, but the business does nothing. Okay, fair. I respect the business. I feel the business. We all feel the business in our hearts because the business was the friends we made along the way. Oh my, mind blown. The business was just, the business was getting to the destination. <laughs> yes. The best heroes in life are not without their faults. Some emotional some spiritual and for some it is a physical weakness much like the most known superhero of all superman and his kryptonite you too have something that if you were to touch you would be destroyed lauren what's your kryptonite First of all, that was a really good intro. I've Thank never, you so much, I know. I, I have never felt so dramatic about my peanut allergy in my life. Um, <laughs> peanuts are my kryptonite, which is very dumb. I was four when I found out I was allergic to peanuts, and much like the fact that a peanuts can kill me the way I found out I was allergic was also so dumb I was in speech therapy because nobody could understand me and my speech therapist suggested that I put peanut butter on the tip of my tongue <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so that I could I don't know make it work better it made it work worse. It's it's <laughs> to make you practice your articulation because since you have the peanut butter in your mouth, you start noticing how hard it can be to pronunciate things. And so once it's out of your mouth, you're more aware of it. Oh, you see, I wouldn't know because immediately after I put it in, I stopped breathing. So Okay, had... ima imagine you put a bunch of syrup in your mouth. Okay, I guess. Or yeah. Like just imagine you put a bunch of food in your mouth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I 
shove some peanut butter in my mouth. And I remember I was very resistant to it. And I don't know why. I just was. And my mom was like, fine, you don't have to. And I was like, okay, give it to me. Because I was easily manipulated. And so she did. And I remember I was sitting in front of the TV. And I could hear my parents talking nervously in the next room. Which made me nervous. Because I was starting to break out in hives. And eventually my breathing just got real shallow. And they were like, oof. This and it, sis, and rushed me to the hospital. This peanut and it. Mm-mm. So they diagnosed me pretty easily with a peanut allergy once I got there. And they were like, actually, you're allergic to all nuts. So that was fun, funky, and fresh. So anyway. They diagnosed me with a peanut allergy, so that was yikes. And my and then they said that I was allergic to all nuts, which just piled on top of that. So when uh, we got home and I was fine or whatever, my mom decided, okay, we have to get all the nuts out of the house immediately. So she starts baking peanut butter cookies, and she's gonna, like, give it to friends or whatever. And I reacted to the smell of it. From so, from a different floor, right? Yeah, yeah. I was on the second floor, and I reacted to the smell of it. I, I had a very severe allergy. I really don't know how we didn't know until then, to be honest. But, um... That's crazy. You aren't currently allergic to the smell of peanuts, though. Why is that? Correct. Um, so, I remember I was complaining about it with one of my friends, and we found out that in Dallas, Texas, they were doing a study, and they were... Um, desensitizing people to allergies, specifically peanut allergies. So it was really dumb, but my friend and I were having a sleepover, and we made a slideshow convincing my mom and dad to let me get this treatment. And it worked! So, um, my mom and dad were extremely generous and selfless and they set aside the money for the treatment and for the travel and their own personal time to get me down to Dallas, Texas. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, so that's a good drive. About once every month and I would go in and they slowly desensitized me to it. It first began with them taking powdered peanut, just like minuscule amount, and putting it in a <laughs> this is weird, they put it in a syringe filled with Kool-Aid, and I just drank it up, <laughs> and that's how it began. How did you drink the syringe? You just, are not, oh not a syringe, what's it called? It's like that thing you push into your mouth, like when it's the liquid medicine Sometimes. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm afraid I do not. You yeah. said you said it's desensitizing. I've yeah. only heard desensitizing in the regards to things like the media, where it's something. Uh, it's when you're exposed to something enough, you learn to just kind of overcome it, I guess, and not really have a big of an effect of you as on you. Is that is that accurate in saying that it was the same thing as that? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Interesting. I've never. Yeah. I've never heard of desensitization mm -hmm. in in like a physical sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I I would take, you know, my medicine and I just like sat in the patient's room and just talked to other people or read or whatever I was doing um for a while and they make sure I was okay and then I'd go back home and then next month I would come and do it again. But they slowly build it up over time. And that's desensitization. So I would just get used to the smallest dose and then work my way up from there until I was taking, I think, four peanuts was the highest I was at. I've been bad and let it drop a little. But now I am required to take peanuts every day to keep up the desensitization. Otherwise, my allergy will get worse. That's interesting. Do you yeah. think it's possible that that could be used on other allergies? It, it already is. I think the first allergen they used it on was strawberries or something like that. And then they branched out to peanuts. I think the reason they did that is because peanuts is the most common allergy in the country. It's also the most severe, so you have to be really careful with it. I but, didn't know it was the most severe. Oh, yeah, but on, on average, that is. Right. Yeah, it's the most common to have anaphylaxis um, associated with it, which is the inability to breathe. Um Right, right. Which means death. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so um, they did that, and actually, um, my my local allergen doctor heard about the treatment and saw how much better I was doing. Not only seen it for himself, but they tested my blood levels, and they could see I was less allergic to it through that. And he was so impressed, he actually began doing the same thing in his own clinic. So, so you and, didn't have to go to Dallas every month. Well, by that point, I was done with uh, going to Dallas. So Right. Um, but I was – I'm happy I was able to – because he was resistant to it for quite some time, the idea of this. Um, so I was happy – that you were able to show him mm -hmm. that it was it was it worked and that yeah. he was able to use it for others. That's really cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew about your procedure. I didn't know for one thing that it could work on other allergens, but that also peanuts was the deadliest allergen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you kept up your treatment over the years and did the max you could have done, would you be about where you are now, which is as long as it doesn't touch you, you'd be fine? Or 
would you be even more receptive to it? So actually I can touch it, you know, I have to like eat a certain amount. So of course I can touch it. Um, I just can't eat too much, but if I had kept up with it better, which I'm trying to do again, because you can rebuild. So right now I'm eating about one peanut a day. I'm trying to rebuild to where I'm eating closer to four or five. I just, um, another interesting thing, which this is a tangent, but it turns out that kids who have had the allergy for longer and start treatment later tend to really dislike the taste of peanuts, almost unanimously dislike the taste, where kids who start it when they're really young, like four or five, actually like the taste. Um, my theory is that like some on some weird subconscious level, the body like making it seem so unappealing to you after so long that you just have an immediate reaction of ew to protect yourself. Right. Um, that And I guess like when you're a younger kid that hasn't built up as much, but um, I just disliked them so much. And that's why I kind of backed down because it, it literally is the most disgusting taste to me in the world, but it keeps me safe. That's... So interesting that you yeah. hate it <laughs> oh oh i hate them it, they're terrible but um i think that's just because of weird brain stuff so if i had been taking it better some people can eat like full-on peanut butter sandwiches and really you can oh, oh, you yeah. could full-on circumvent basically oh, yeah your yeah. allergy yeah, you have to keep taking it for the rest of your life. It At some point, you don't have to take it as often. So, like, instead of every day, you have, like, a meal a week. But you, you still have to be somewhat consistent with it to keep that up. But you can eat, like, a full-on meal with it if you continue with it long enough. That's, so that's crazy. Yeah, that's a goal of mine for this year to not not get up to that point because I'd have to take much longer but to slowly increase and get closer to that right that's that's really interesting I had no idea that there was honestly a way to just stop being allergic to things technically yeah, yeah. it's uh it's it's really cool and you know I don't know if you know this, but allergy levels have been on the rise for years. So this is a really great way of helping. Now we can catch it early, of course. We have medicine to, you know, we have medicine to help those who experience a reaction. And now we have this desensitization method where people can grow out of it to enough to a degree where they can lead fairly normal lives. Not that I was leading like a cra like a terrible life before, but every restaurant I went to when my allergy was really bad, I always had to ask if it was made near peanuts or blah blah blah. It's even at the point where I'm at, it has made my life so much easier because I don't have to worry about cross contamination as much, which is was a hard thing for me. And I remember 
Um, it, it's always so stupid, but when you're like a kindergartner or something, and a mom brings cupcakes to the class for kids to eat, and it's like made in a factory with peanuts, you're the only kid that can't eat it. And it seems really stupid, but it made me feel so isolated in some ways, because I would have to, like, sit on my own, you know, and just, like, watch mm -hmm. all these kids eat their cupcakes. And it really annoys me, because a lot of people don't believe these kinds of allergies are real, especially when you get to, like, allergies that are so severe you react to, like, the smell or touch of it. And I remember in middle school one time, um, there was an, a band party, and there were some items with peanuts in it. And, of course, I could still talk to people and stuff, but I had to, like, keep a distance, make sure they weren't making contact with, like, my hands or whatever, um, just in case there was residue or, you know, catch the smell from their breath or whatever. Was this before the... Yeah, I'd be I, the therapy. Yeah, this was like in seventh or eighth grade, and I began the therapy in ninth grade. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I remember this one time, you know, this party was happening, and people had it, and I was able to like socialize, but I had to keep like a safe amount of distance for me, and you know, people had to wash their hands after for me to be safe. Um, which is also a really weird feeling because you don't want people to be out of their way, of course. It's embarrassing right. to, like, put people out of their way, but when it comes to life or death, which in this case it does to a degree, you have to. It's you kind of don't have a choice. Yeah, it's nothing I took pleasure in or it's like, oh, I'm special. It embarrassed me a lot. Um, but I remember I was sitting at a... And, you know, this was another thing. I don't know if your school had this, but my elementary school and middle school, there was, like, a allergy table for kids who had allergies, and we were just sequestered to this table because we couldn't be around some of the other kids' snacks and meals. Um, so that became, like, a weird bonding thing in some cases, but it's also still very isolating. Um... But I remember I was sitting at this other table separate from my homeroom because of what they were eating. And one of my friends who had decided to sit with them that day and not me, they would let us bring some friends over sometimes so we weren't alone. Right. Um, but they sat there um, and the some of the people were talking about how I was just overreacting. I was faking it, these allergies aren't even real, and that I was just a drama queen. And that was my worst fear at the time, because I already felt so insecure about having to put people out of their way. And when my friend told me about it, I started bawling, because it's like, I can't, like, I can't do anything about it. There's no out for me. Um, right. And so... When I found out about this treatment, it seemed like a far fetch. I thought my parents would never go for it in a million years, but they did. And it it really, even in, like I said, stupid ways like that, not even stuff about, like, saving your life, it is so impactful. 
and I, I'm just so glad they've developed the medicine for it, because it has made even my social life so much easier for me. Absolutely. And now that it's, it's beyond, like, trials, right? Now it's an actual known mm-hmm. thing in most circles? Yeah, for sure. I don't know how much of it is being practiced, but like I said, my doctor was resistant to it for years, and now he been he is practicing it. So a lot more, it's a lot more localized. Like when I started treatment, there were only two facilities that offered it, one in Dallas, Texas, and one in California in the United States. That was it. And now you're getting a lot more localized areas, so even more people um, who aren't necessarily as blessed as my family was who can take the time and the money to help themselves or their children out. Absolutely. I'd love to look at a map and see how much that's grown. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. So now, Lauren, you know, because you helped me edit the last episode, but the way we end these is that I'm going to ask you a question from a random question generator. Are you ready? I am so excited. What really annoys you when other people do it, but you occasionally do it as well? Oh my god. This one's bad, and I'm aware of it. Interrupting. I am such... (laughs) I am such a drama queen when people interrupt me. It's probably my number one pet peeve. Like, uh, I remember my roommate, who I love and adore immensely, and she's my best friend at school. Um, I, she interrupted me one time, and I was just, like, miffed at her for, like, ten minutes. Because <laughs> I was, like, talking about something, and she just came in. But it is something 100% I do, and I realize it's a very hypocritical thing for me to get upset at at all. But it... I don't know. <laughs> Why do you think it makes you so upset? Um, it makes me feel like what I'm saying is unimportant. But, you know, when I interrupt people, I might be making them feel the same way. So that's just something, you know, got to work on. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you a go. Little bit of, a little bit of self-growth to top it all off. Yep. We really went full circle. (laughs) Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, my wonderful, wonderful audience, for joining as well. Lauren, do you have have anything you would like to plug? Oh, this is fun. Okay. Ooh, there's so many. I think I gave a hopefully good review for Bastille. So be sure to check them out. Um, If you are looking for a new show to watch, I would highly recommend Gilmore Girls and JoJo. Gotta shout that out, too. Those are both really good shows. And, yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) Fantastic. Well... Lauren, will you please sign us off with our signature outro slogan? Popping off? Wait, no. (laughs) 
I, I want to do something with popping off. Cause it's and like, on oh, that note, ladies and gents, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. so cute.